Well, good morning again. If you are new, you just started coming the past couple weeks. Uh, I was on vacation. Uh, I am Roger. I'm senior pastor here at Life Church. So good to meet you. Uh, we are in week three of our new series on margin. And the idea is that we want to learn how to create space in our lives um, for both our own health and so we can be able to respond uh, when the Lord asks us to do something. Um, one of the things that I just have always found fascinating is that you see Jesus had the margin when he was walking from one place to another to respond uh, to the need that was in front of him, to the person that was in front of him. And so uh, this idea of margin uh, is not just for our own health, but it's so that we can become more responsive to where the Spirit is leading, and we can have more cool God stories in our lives because we're being used by God. Two weeks ago, <clears throat> Nicholas gave the first message in this series, um, The Secret of Contentment. And then last week, Mason gave the second message, uh, which is called Rhythms of Rest and Practicing Sabbath. Um, I watched both of those messages when I got back from vacation, and they did a great job, both of them. So if you missed either of those messages online, I encourage you to go watch those. This week, uh, we are discussing having margin for physical health. Physical health. I want to start out by having us think about um, how much time we spend just maintaining our bodies. Uh, much of our life is taken up with the care and the maintenance of our bodies. Um, we have to clean it, we have to dress it, feed it. Uh, I mean, if we're just getting real, we have to deal with its waste. Uh, we have to exercise it, we have to give it rest. Uh, this happens over and over, day in and day out, for our whole lives. Much of this we do without thinking, because we've always done it, but if you think about it, uh, it takes a lot of time and energy to care and maintain our bodies. And there are times, of course, <clears throat> when our body breaks down and we get sick, and then we require even more care. Um, having a body is a lot of work. So why is, why is this important? Um, why preach a message on the need to have margin in our lives for physical health? I mean, spiritual health, everybody would probably say that's, that's definitely should be talked about in church. Uh, but physical health? We're going to talk about physical health today because of two reasons. Uh, one, we learn from Scripture that our bodies actually matter profoundly to the Lord. And then two, anything God wants to do in us or through us will utilize our body. So as followers of Jesus, it's important that we don't go down one of two wrong paths when it comes to our bodies. Some would advocate <clears throat> ignoring 
our physical bodies. Like they prefer to just focus on the health of the soul. Um, essentially, practicing a disembodied faith. They go to church, read their Bible, pray, give, serve, uh, but live a relatively sedentary lifestyle and regularly find themselves after church at the all-you-can-eat buffet. That was me growing up, actually. Um, that's how my grandmother got me to go to church. Was promising that we would go to a buffet afterwards. You couldn't go to the buffet unless you went to church, so, so I went to church. I actually put on a lot of weight that way. Um, others go down another wrong path when it comes to the body of becoming too obsessed with their body. Um, they either um, become, like they either idolize the body by focusing too much on its appearance um, or they denigrate the body by thinking that uh, it's a source of evil and, a, and sexual sin. Like the body shouldn't be idolized and it's not inherently a source of evil. Certainly it can be used for evil. Uh, but God created our bodies, right? And he called them good. So God values <clears throat> and he honors the body. Um, Christianity is not just uh, a faith of just the spiritual. It's an embodied faith. It is both spirit and body. Okay, so, so Christmas was just a few weeks ago. Um, at Christmas we're reminded of the incarnation, that Christ came in a physical body. He ate, he drank, um, so much so that he was actually accused of being a drunk and a glutton. Matthew eleven nineteen says this, the son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners but wisdom is shown to be right by its results. So our bodies are important now, and they will be important after we die. Um, when we die, we won't just be spirits floating in the clouds, right? Instead, we will experience the physical resurrection of our bodies. Like Christ himself was the prototype for the resurrection. Um, he appeared after he was resurrected in bodily form. He ate, he drank. Uh, even now, he still has a body. So why is this important? Why, <clears throat> excuse me, why do our bodies matter to God? One of the main reasons is that our body is actually central to our worship. Um, our scripture today is Romans 12.1. And in it, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So we remain to live in a body and use that body to worship the Lord, raising our hands, 
kneeling, laying prostrate. That's, a, that's like laying face down on the ground. Uh, laying our hands on others and praying for them. These are all acts of worship, biblical acts of worship. But the common things we do throughout our day can be acts of worship too if we, if we dedicate them to the Lord. Eating a meal, sleeping, exercising, cleaning, nursing a baby, digging a garden, playing an instrument, speaking an encouraging word over someone, serving someone, giving of our time and our resources, all of these can be acts of worship. So if our body is central to our act of worship, um, that means that there are eternal implications for wanting to get healthy and stay healthy. Anything God wants to do in us or through us will utilize our body. And if our body is central to our worship, then taking care of our bodies is also an act of worship. 3 John 1-2 says this, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. So anyone who's been healthy and active and then they've been injured or they've been sick, um, they know full well how poor health can affect every aspect of our lives, right? Including our ability to accomplish God's will in our lives. So let me give you an example. I would argue that a beautiful way that we can worship the Lord is by playing with our children. If you're a parent and you want to go outside and play with your child and you are winded after 15 minutes, you can't play anymore and you have to sit down, then you can't accomplish God's will for your life. It is God's will that you would worship him by spending time with your kids or your grandkids and playing with them. Here's another example. Someone asks you to help them move some furniture or they ask you to help them shovel some snow. Um, you, haven't, you say yes, but then you haven't exerted yourself that much in a long time. And uh, you're wondering if you're going to throw your back out when you're moving that couch or you're wondering if your heart's going to give out as you're shoveling the snow. Anything God wants to do in and through us will utilize our body. Now, as I've seen some pastors preach on this, uh, it seems, in my observation, that there's often an undercurrent of shame beneath their teaching. Um, that if they just show you biblically why you should take care of your body, then you'll do it. Uh, they'll point out that uh, your body isn't your own. Like God owns it, he created it, Jesus paid the price for it. Uh, they'll point out that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. They'll point out that uh, your body is part of the body of Christ. And so God expects you to be a good caretaker of your body. 
All of that is true. Everything I just said is true. But if that was enough to motivate us to be take better care of our bodies, then why aren't people, why aren't more people healthy and active? I think we can come away from such sermons just, just like feeling shame and feeling guilt. I am of the opinion that no one listening to this message today um, purposely decided that I'm, I'm just going to go neglect my body and let it get weak and more sick and more tired. I'm going to make sure I eat unhealthy food. I'm going to eat too much of it. I'm going to live a stressful lifestyle with no margins, no rhythms of rest, no practicing Sabbath, so that every year that goes by, I'll be able to do less and less and less and just be miserable. No one says that. We don't need to be guilted and shamed into taking care of our bodies. We need help. When I was an undergrad, uh, one of the classes I really enjoyed taking was a, a class on cultural anthropology. Uh, one of the things I learned in the class was how many assumptions that we make on a regular basis that are based on the culture in which we live. And it isn't until we step outside of our culture uh, that we begin to see some of those assumptions, right? It's sort of like the, the fish doesn't see the water until he's like outside of the water, that kind of thing. So in the, in the late 90s, I spent a summer in Germany, uh, just south of Munich in Bavaria. And I remember the first week I was there, I went to a restaurant and I ordered my dinner and they brought me this little plate of food. I thought it was an appetizer, <laughs> but it was the meal. I remember distinctly leaving that restaurant still hungry. Uh, it took a couple weeks, but I got used to eating less. Uh, and when I came back to the States, uh, I'm, I was amazed at how much we Americans eat. That lasted about three days, and then I was back to eating normal American, standard American diet, I guess is what they call it. Also, in Germany, uh, everyone walked a lot more. Like, you'd only drive if you were going, like, a long distance. Like, here in the States, we get in our car, and we drive from one store in the strip mall to the other. Anybody do that? I've done that. So while there are gyms like all over the place, I think it's accurate to say that most Americans still eat pretty poorly, uh, we eat too much, and we live pretty sedentary lifestyles. And we live often without margin, without practicing rhythms of rest, or really practicing Sabbath. Over the years, uh, one of the books I've taught on, led groups through many times, uh, is Richard Foster's book, The Celebration of Discipline. Uh, it's a book on the spiritual disciplines, like prayer and uh, Bible study, meditation, fasting, simplicity, solitude, worship, submission, those kinds of things. Uh, but one of the things that Foster emphasizes over and over in the book is this principle that discipline brings freedom. Discipline brings freedom. 
Athletes know this. Soldiers know this. Musicians know this. Uh, it's why they practice as much as they do, so that they can respond the way they want to without having to really think about it, without having to try very hard. So in light of the fact that anything God wants to do in us, uh, anything God wants to do through us, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, will utilize our body, I would argue this, I would argue that physical health is actually a spiritual discipline. I want to share a little bit of, of my physical health journey, and I apologize if you've heard this before. I've shared this in different settings. So growing up, uh, I was, as far as I can remember, far back as I can remember, I was always overweight. Uh, I don't recall ever not having been overweight. I mean, I've seen pictures of myself as like a baby and a toddler, but I don't remember ever not being overweight. Um, they're going to put a few pictures up of me from several years ago. So over my lifetime, I've tried all kinds of different diets, uh, different exercise programs. <clears throat> I'd lose some weight, I'd gain it back. Can any of you relate to this? The yo-yo, up and down, up and down. <clears throat> and being overweight can actually, it will actually lead to other health issues. Uh, so in the late 90s, I discovered I had two herniated discs in my lower back. Um, tremendous back pain. So I had to have back surgery, uh, a discectomy, where they removed those two discs. Lost a little bit of height in that. Uh, then in 2010... I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And so they put me on metformin. They tried to put me on a diet. That didn't work really well. Wasn't successful. Forward six more years, 2016, I was at the heaviest I'd ever been, probably about, right about 300 pounds. I had to have a second back surgery, a laminectomy. Um, at this point, I had terrible pain in my lower back that was running down uh, my left leg, and it was excruciating. I mean, I was in so much pain that I walked with a cane. I was living on ibuprofen, like every day. I was taking the maximum dosage just to get through the day. Uh, and when you, are, when you are carrying that much extra weight over decades... Uh, it, it, your body starts to break down. Not only was I in chronic pain, um, but if I'm just really honest, I was depressed, uh, I was scared, and I felt hopeless. Like, what if this was like the rest, the way I would have to live the rest of my life? Walking with a cane, chronic pain, just plain miserable. Like, can anyone relate to what I'm saying? So, being a Holy Spirit guy, I uh, had a group of prayer warriors laying hands on me, praying for 
um, healing for my back. I asked him to, to, to pray for an instantaneous, miraculous healing. And to be honest, when I wasn't instantly healed, I walked away feeling pretty discouraged. But I would learn firsthand that um, while God does sometimes heal instantaneously, miraculously, sometimes he heals through process. Um, so I had my second back surgery on the week of Thanksgiving, 2016. About six weeks later, uh, my neurosurgeon told me, he said, I want you to start walking. He said, walking is, is really good for you. And around the same time, I was reading this book on uh, the power of baby steps, like tiny little um, incremental changes, tiny little steps, like not trying to set big goals, just trying to develop new habits by taking tiny little baby steps. So uh, I stepped out the front door on that first day, uh, and I walked to our mailbox at the end of the driveway, maybe about 100 feet, came back. That was what I accomplished day one. Uh, day two, I walked next door. Day three, I walked to the end of the block. Day four, I walked around the block, and so on. Um, after a couple weeks of walking, I got a gym membership. My goal day one was to walk on the treadmill 10 minutes and then go home. And do that three times that week. I just wanted to build a new habit of going to the gym. So when you, when you like suit up and you drive to the gym and you get on the treadmill, like the hardest part is actually forcing yourself to stop after 10 minutes, right? You want to just keep going and keep going. Uh, but then the problem with that is you set up an unsustainable precedent. You don't want to go day two, <laughs> day three, that kind of thing. But I kept it at 10 minutes. <clears throat> the next week, 15 minutes on the treadmill. Eventually started lifting very light weights then heavier weights. Uh, my cardio went from walking to using this thing called an arc trainer. Uh, so it's like a, sort of a hybrid between like an elliptical and like a stair climber kind of thing. So uh, after a few months, I started making some little changes in my diet. Eventually, I uh, gave up most sugar and eating white stuff. Was able to get off my diabetes medicine uh, and control my blood sugar with just diet and exercise. Fast forward three years to uh, 2020. I was doing well. I had lost 90 pounds. Went down several sizes in clothing. Then in March, COVID hit. They not only shut down my gym, they shut down like all of them. And uh, I kind of freaked out. I'm like, what, what am I going to do now? I'm, I was... Uh, I was like, is everything that I've worked hard for just going to be undone? And that's when I took up running, uh, which is odd because, like, my whole life up to that point, I hated running. Like, the only time you'd see me running is in high school when they forced us to in PE or, like, if a car was about to hit me, I might run. But, <laughs> but I never ran. But I think God gave me uh, the grace 
to start running. And, it, and I think it helped that by this point on that arc trainer thing, like, like I was a beast on that thing. So I mean, like I'd go an hour on that thing at, at its highest setting, and I was like drenched in sweat, and my knees are like coming up to my chest. I was going so hardcore, like people walk by and like stare at me and stuff. <laughs> And so I think that's how uh, I was able to progress uh, in quick, so quickly as a runner. I started running one mile, two, three. For I got up to like running six to ten miles. Um, I was probably overdoing it. <laughs> I was doing that like six to seven days a week. And then somebody was like, you probably better back off or you're going to like injure yourself. So I backed off a little bit. Eventually they opened the gyms back up, uh, started lifting again. So, <clears throat> why am I telling you this? Because of this. Uh, I struggled for years with my weight. But it was, it was when I turned to the Lord, and I had several prayer warriors praying for me, um, that everything started to turn around. I absolutely attribute this journey to prayer. Uh, prayer was the key. Prayer was the catalyst for this change in my life. Uh, here's another way prayer helped me. Um, I was praying one day, and the Lord showed me uh, that an important key to my success would be how I talked to myself. Uh, many of us are, are often harder on ourselves than we are on other people. Um, if we miss a day at the gym or we, you know, we eat too much, uh, we start saying demeaning, mean things to ourselves. And uh, God gave me this image when, it, when I was praying um, that when I talk to myself, that I should envision that I'm speaking to a little boy version of myself. Like he said, imagine you're talking to yourself, but you know, you're like six or seven. And it gave me compassion for myself. So now when I, when I fall off the wagon, you know, eat too much, don't ask, whatever, uh, in the past, I would have said, you know, what an idiot. What are you doing? Right? Now I'll say to myself, it's okay. It's okay. It'll be all right. Tomorrow's a new day. You can do this. Right? I absolutely attribute uh, my physical health today to the power of those praying saints who laid hands on me and prayed for a miracle. In addition to prayer uh, and how we talk to ourselves, the power of community really is essential when it comes to making big changes like this. So during that period when I was just starting out, uh, I leveraged both my in-person small group and social media uh, to encourage others and let others encourage me on this journey. Uh, I was always posting on Facebook, I'm not on Facebook now, so 
that's a whole other story. But I, I was back then, and like every time I go to the gym, I would post. I post like pictures of my food and all this stuff. And some people were like, "Stop posting pictures of your food." You know, I'm tired of knowing that you're going to the gym. You know that kind of stuff. But it helped me. And then when I wasn't, when I stopped posting some of those things, others would say, "Hey, I, you didn't go to the gym today," and so it was encouraging. You know, help hold me accountable. And I needed that community. I needed that encouragement. Um, you do not want to do this alone. And again, anything God wants to do in and through us will utilize our body. Um, I think of all the kingdom things that I've been able to do uh, since I've gotten healthier that I wasn't able to do. Um, giving out and delivering food to the poor helping people move, helping people set up and tear down for things. Um, shortly after I was getting more fit, um, at, my, at my last church we had this big Christmas food giveaway. Um, so I was literally out in the parking lot for several hours, like running laps back and forth uh, across the parking lot, guiding all the cars into the different positions. Like for several hours, I'm, I'm like running from one end of the parking lot to the other, like guiding these cars. Then after the event was over, uh, someone came up to me and said, they want you to come help carry all this extra stuff back up to the <laughs> attic. And so like up and down the stairs, I'm going carrying these heavy boxes and stuff. That day was a serious workout. Um, I reflect on how far the Lord has brought me from hobbling with a cane in tremendous pain, living on ibuprofen, to being able to contribute to an outreach, being the one asked to run, to carry the heavy stuff. That is only God's grace. And that is why physical health is a spiritual discipline. Because in order to love God, in order to love people, we have to use our bodies. And we need them to be healthy and strong. Now I want to take a moment and I want to address something that I don't think ever gets addressed in a talk on physical health. Each of us has different capacities. Some of us live with chronic illnesses. Some of us live with physical disabilities. Um, how does this message apply to you? God says, offer your body as a living sacrifice. And maybe you're unsure how to do that. So you might be familiar with the name uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. I've mentioned her before. Uh, when she was about 18 years old, she dove into the Chesapeake Bay. She misjudged how deep the water was. She thought it was deeper than it really was. And that day at 18 years old, she became a quadriplegic. Um, she would live the rest of her life in a wheelchair. She was paralyzed from the shoulders down. So Johnny went through two years of rehabilitation. Uh, she wrote in her autobiography that she was angry. She was depressed. She had doubts about her faith. She considered committing suicide. Obviously, she didn't go through with it. Instead, uh, she learned to paint with a brush in between her teeth. She began selling her artwork. 
She also started writing books. Uh, at first she wrote in the same way that she painted with her mouth. Now, now she uses voice recognition software. She's written over 40 Christian books. She's recorded several musical albums. She started an autobiographical movie of her own life. Uh, she is an advocate for people with disabilities. Johnny decided not to give up, but to worship the Lord with what little remaining body she had. And God has used her powerfully to influence millions of people around the world for the kingdom. I think we don't consider often what a miracle and what a gift our body is. We take it for granted. I know I did that for years. The fact uh, that we can walk, that we can talk, that we can see, that we can hear, that we can taste, all of this is by God's grace. Our bodies are a precious gift from the Lord. Back when we lived in Illinois, I volunteered for a while uh, at a home for severely disabled children. Like only one child there could uh, communicate at all verbally. And every time I left there, I left with a tremendous appreciation for the fact that I could walk to my car, that I could drive myself home, that I could feed myself, that I could go to the bathroom by myself. Our bodies are such a gift from the Lord. He gave them to us, of course, to enjoy, but he also gave them to us to worship him. To pray, to sing, to encourage, to serve, to hug, to carry someone's groceries, to shovel someone's snow, to run and play with our children, to raise our hands in praise to God. Don't let your body limit what the Lord can do through you. Take care of what you've got. So I want to summarize, um, and it's in your sermon notes, these five keys. The first one is prayer. Well, it all starts with prayer. Okay, Getting covered in prayer and regularly seeking the Lord in prayer. That's one. Number two is begin taking tiny little baby steps in order to develop new habits and being patient with yourself. Okay, that's two. Three, don't beat yourself up, right? When you fall off the wagon, speak as encouragingly to yourself as you would to someone else. Four, leverage the power of community both for encouragement and accountability. Right? Use your small group for this. You can use social media for this. But don't do this alone. And then five, be grateful for the gift you've been given, your body. And use whatever you have to worship the Lord. Whether you have five senses or four, uh, whether you have four working limbs or two, whether you're limited by disability or chronic illness, right? use whatever you have to worship the Lord. Again, Paul says in Romans 12:1, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God 
because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the gift and the miracle of our bodies. God, thank you that we can use them to laugh and to love, to serve, and to simply enjoy being. Lord, help us to not take that for granted. Help us to make margin for our physical health. Lord, help us to take little baby steps towards getting healthier, towards building new habits, towards a better quality of life. Lord, not just for our own benefit, but so we can worship you, so we can love people better than we can now. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.